Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. When they became one, in praising and thanking the Lord, that's when God showed up. That's when he manifested his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, uh, I want to get on over into the New Testament, but I did have one, two, three, four, five passages that I didn't get to this morning. They're all from one book. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter one. And uh, like I said, I've got five passages in the book of Ezekiel that we'll look at pretty quickly. Then I want to move over into the New Testament. Ezekiel chapter 1. Hallelujah. Verse 1 says, It came to pass in the thirteenth year in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. And on the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. And we won't read all of the rest of of what happened in, in this chapter, but there he saw in this vision, he saw four creatures that were, uh, uh, there in these, in these four creatures, they weren't God, but they were, uh, manifestations of, of God's greatness and power and, and possibly represented cherubim and so forth. They were just four creatures that he saw. And uh, then it says in verse 26, And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness of the appearance of a man high above it. And from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around it and all around and within it. And from the appearance of his waist downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So here we see the glory of the Lord in this brightness that was all around God on the throne. And uh, and how brilliant it was and how beautiful it was. Then if you turn over to the third chapter and look at verse 22 and 23, it says, Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise and go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I rose and went out into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. Now again, I just want to point out this, this point and uh, just make reference to it, that, that the glory of the Lord was, was discernible, could be seen. It had an image 
Sometimes it looked like a cloud. Other times it was just a brightness. Uh, but I just think it's, it's interesting that it said that the glory of the Lord stood there. Well, when something stands there, it's there. It's not somewhere else, you know. And so you could see the, 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 there had to have been some form of it. And doesn't really describe it other than it's, that it stood there. But it was like the glory, he said, which he saw by the river Chebar, and that was in chapter 1 we just read. And then going over to chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 4 says, Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the, thresh, the, the threshold of the temple, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. So again, it's, it's, it seemed to appear like a cloud. And, and it says that uh, it was the Lord's glory. And the house was filled with it. Praise the Lord. We've made reference to the fact that we are the temple of God. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to the New Testament. Everything that uh, all of the of the rituals of the law, they all have their fulfillment in Christ. And we have our fulfillment in Christ because we are one with him. We've been joined with him. And, and now we're not the person of Christ, we're the body of Christ. And Christ is, is obviously at the Father's right hand and, and he's the head of the church, but we're the church. And so it's, it's, it's in some ways a mystery but, but we shouldn't just dismiss it as a mystery and then not try to uh, gain the understanding we can from it. Because in the New Testament, the word mystery always referred to truth that had been withheld but was now made known. It was kept a secret so that it could be revealed in the, in the days of the church. And so uh, uh, it's, it's mysterious in a sense, but in, the, in another sense, we, we ought to see what we can see about it and know what we can know. Amen. And so uh, we are the temple of God. And if God manifested his glory in the temple and, and in, in places where, where he was working, then he wants to manifest his glory today. And the glory of the Lord is the same glory today as it was then. Amen. So anyway, with that, that in mind, where do we read? Uh, 10, 4, let's go over to 43, chapter 43 of Ezekiel. Chapter 43, and let's look at verse 2, and then we'll just, we'll just start verse 1. Afterward, he brought me to the gate, the gate that, fast, that faces toward the east. Behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. So notice it came from a direction. It had a, it had a, it had a movement. It came from one direction and then, and then came toward him. The glory of the Lord, uh, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice, that is God's voice, was like the sound of many waters. And the earth shone with his glory. And, and again, that, that means the glory of the Lord was brilliant. It was like the appearance of the vision which I saw, like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. Now the margin says, when he came to destroy the city. The visions were like the vision 
which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by the way of the gate which faces toward the east. So the glory of the Lord came from the east and then came into the temple through that east gate. The Lord lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So it, it, it would have seemed then that the glory of the Lord was, was uh, of a particular shape or appearance, but when it came into the temple, it filled the temple so that it no longer was, was uh, seen as just a, a, an image like in one place or one thing that would move about, but it was everywhere. It filled the temple. Well, if it filled the temple, it was everywhere. Everywhere you looked was, was glory. Amen? And then turn over to, to uh, chapter 44. It's just the next chapter. Verse 4 says, And he brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And I fell on my face. Praise the Lord. Well, these are all Old Testament scriptures. And so people sometimes say, well, you know, we live in the New Testament, and so, we're, you know, we, we don't expect to have the things in the New Testament that they had in the Old Testament unless we specifically see those things. Well, uh, God is the, the same God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He hasn't changed. But it would do us some good to look into the New Testament and see some uh, references to the glory of the Lord there. Turn with me to, act to, uh, excuse me, to Luke, the second chapter. And, and we could read it in other places because, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. They're very similar. Sometimes they record the same things. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. So we won't look in Matthew and Mark. But in Luke chapter 2, let's, uh, let's look at verse number 8 and 9. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. That is the glory of the Lord shone. Now it doesn't say here that it was a cloud, but it was, it was a, a showing, a brightness that shone all around them. And it says that they were greatly afraid. If you go on over to the ninth chapter of Luke, and again, this, this story is recorded. This is the story of the transfiguration. It's recorded in Matthew and Mark as well. But in the ninth chapter of Luke, it says in verse 28, that came to pass about eight days after these things, this is Luke 9, 28, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain, on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory. And spoke of his, that is Jesus' decease, which he would, was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And, uh, but Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. So they saw Jesus, but they saw his glory. So when he appeared in glory, that means that the glory of God appeared with him. And they saw his glory. And uh, they said, uh, Peter said to Jesus, verse 33, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. 
Now, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. That means that the cloud disappeared and uh, they were just standing there with Jesus. But just moments before that, it says that uh, a cloud came and overshadowed them. In other words, a cloud came and, and moved in where they were over, over them and encompassed them. And they were fe- fearful as they entered the cloud. And then there was a voice in that cloud that said, this is my beloved son, hear him. So again, we have the glory of God appearing during Jesus's ministry. And of course, he is uh, the head of the church. And uh, we are called to go out in his name and do his works and minister the way he ministered, didn't it, right? So it wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprising that the glory of the Lord would appear to us. They say, well, wait a minute. Now, this glory of the Lord was testifying to, to Christ. And, and so, well, when the glory of the Lord appears today, it's still testifying to Christ. It's certainly not testifying to us when it appears. It's, it's, it's giving glory to the Lord. It's a manifestation of God's power. So then uh, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Praise the Lord. You getting anything out of this study? Yeah. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. This, of course, is Stephen's preaching. And uh, the, then the high priest said, and Stephen is, is still talking here. And uh, no, the high priest said, rather, are these things so? And then Stephen answered, brethren and, and fathers, listen, the God of glory... Everybody say that, the God of glory. (coughs) Because that's who he is and that's what he is. He is the God of glory. And he's our God. Amen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So we won't read everything that he said. But if you go on down then to the end of this chapter, in verse 54... It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. So the glory of God at this point was in heaven, and Stephen is on the earth, and he looked into heaven, and, and, and in the Spirit, he saw into heaven, and he saw the glory of God. Again, the glory of God is discernible. It's seeable, it's recognizable, it is a thing, it is, a, in other words, it is a reality. <coughs> and, and Stephen saw it, amen? Now go with me over to Acts, then Acts chapter 9, that's the sixth, seventh chapter. <coughs> Excuse me. Praise the Lord. We're going to look here in three different passages uh, that tell us about when uh, Jesus appeared to, to, to Saul on the road to Damascus. Now, in the uh, ninth chapter, this is, this, is, this is Luke, who's the writer, the author, you know, of, of the book of Acts. 
And he's telling the story here. Later, Saul, or who became Paul, he will tell the story looking back at this. But this is how it unfolded. It says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground and hearing, hearing a voice. Well, remember, the voice came out of that cloud when, uh, when Peter, James, and John were the, on the mountain transfiguration. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And uh, so he, trembling and astonished said, astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, arise and go into the city, and it will be told you what you must do. You know, we don't have to have all the information. When the Lord says, do something, we just do it. He could have said, well, what do you want me to do in the city? Why do you want me to go in the city? Who's, who, what, what's going to happen? He didn't question it. He just arose and went into the city. And the Lord said, when you get there, then you'll be, getting, you'll be given more information. You'll be told. So often we're not told more because we didn't do what he said do. Amen. Hallelujah. But we're talking about the glory of God. Go with me over to the 26th chapter. Now, he told the story in the, in the 22nd chapter, and we'll come back to that. But let's, let's first go to the 26th chapter. And Paul is talking about that day. And uh, in verse number 12, it says, While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven. Now, in chapter 9, it said that he saw a light. A bright light. Here it says he saw a light from heaven. This is just more description. Just giving us more information. That, that it came out of heaven. It said I saw a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun. Shining around me. And those who journeyed with me. Now go back to 22. Acts 22. And look at verse 6. It says now it happened as I journeyed. And came near Damascus. At about noon, around noontime, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. So here we're, we're, we're given more information. That not only did a light come, not only was it a great light, it was, it was brighter than the sun at noontime. Now at, soon, at noontime, around noon, the sun is directly overhead. It's more intense, I guess, then in terms of its brilliance than any other time of the day. And at and, and around noon, evidently the, the sun was out, or he wouldn't have referenced it. And there was a bright light, brighter than the noonday sun. Whew. Glory to God. Think about that. Hallelujah. Now, he said, I fell to the ground and heard a voice. Again, that voice came out of that brightness. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. Notice he wasn't the only one that saw the light. Uh, he was the one chosen of God to be an apostle. The others weren't, but they still saw the light. So the others with me, he said, indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said, arise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. 
And since I could not see for the glory of that light. Now there have been some crazy ideas about the Apostle Paul. This is a little side journey. And, and it seems like the traditional church, uh, the, the modern day traditional church, you know, if you want to say it that way of the last few hundred years, you know, they're always looking for ways to water down everything. And we know that it's God's will to heal. So this is a little side message on healing. We know it's always the will of God to, to heal, but they always say that many times it's not the will of God to heal. And that he can if he wants to, but in experience coming out of that theology, he apparently doesn't want to very often because nobody's getting healed. And one thing they point to is, uh, you know, and I, when I was at... Uh, Pastor Chip Bolio's church just a couple of weeks ago, I pointed out the fact, isn't it interesting that, that there's not one occasion in Jesus' ministry where it wasn't the will of God to heal anybody? Not one person came to Jesus to be healed that he sent away and said, it's not the will of God or it's not my will to heal you. Not one. Now you would think, out of the hundreds of thousands of people, no doubt, that came to him, and many times the entire city was there. And in one occasion, the entire city turned out and he laid his hands on every sick person in that city because it says they brought all of them. That means there was not one left behind. And he laid his hands. That means he looked them square in the eye. I, I remember going in the early days after I, you know, when I first went to Rhema, you know, we started hearing about Brother Hagin's ministry. We were just, we were just, you know, just in awe of Kenneth Hagin, you know, as a prophet. You know, like, like my friend said, he's a prophet of God, you know. And, <laughs> and so uh, he gave all these stories. Brother Hagin could tell all these stories where he was in, you know, he was ministering and somebody stood before him and he knew, you know, by the spirit certain things. And, and so, you know, we were, we were a little afraid to be around him. And, uh, and, and back in those days, you know, he, he taught uh, one class, we had other classes during the day, but then he taught us, uh, all of the students of, you know, came together and he just taught one class to the whole student body. And, uh, and he would walk around the platform and he'd kind of twiddle his thumbs. And, and if he walked over close to you, if you were, you know, it wasn't as close as this because the auditorium was bigger, but you were sitting back, you know, maybe where, where, where Michael and, and, uh, uh Brad are, you know, come over, he looked your way. He's like, Oh, he looked my way. <laughs> what did he see? What did he think? You know? And, uh, uh, but, but, but that was Kenneth Hagin. How would you like Jesus to stand in front of you and look you in the eye? Now, Kenneth Hagin didn't know everything, only as the Spirit of the Lord would reveal it. Well, neither did Jesus when he looked these people in the eye. He didn't know everything about them. unless the, Remember when the woman with issue of blood touched him? He turned around, who touched me? And, and she was there. She kind of drew back into the crowd a little bit, but he looked her, it says he looked around to see who had done this. Well, that doesn't sound like divinity. It sounds like one of us. So he was limited in his earth walk uh, because he, he set aside his, his divine power and glory. But by the spirit of the Lord, as the Lord willed, he would, he would know things. And, but he looked each one of those thousands, no doubt, thousands of people, an entire city. Certainly hundreds and hundreds. And, you know, not a one of them did he go to, said he put his hands on everyone. Not a one of them did he go, my, 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 dear God. <laughs> my, 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 dear God, dear God. I had a friend of mine. I went to one of Brother Hagin's meetings back in the 80s up in Atlanta. 
and uh, he called for uh, for some kind of ministry line, in my, and it was a pastor friend of mine, and he went up there, and, and I didn't hear this. I, I, I'd gone up, and, and uh, no, I, don't, I didn't go up, but I just wasn't paying attention. That's what it was, and he had gone up. I mean, I wasn't paying attention to everything he ministered to people. I wasn't listening to every other problem. Well, he put his hands on so-and-so. What, what did he say, you know? So I wasn't, you know, paying attention particularly to that. And he came back and says, Pastor Friend, he was just all discouraged. He said, Brother Hagen rebuked me. I said, he did? He said, yeah. He said, he, he, when he put his hands on me, he said, my, 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 dear God. <laughs> and then he says, you're in the mental realm. Get out of the mental realm. Receive this with your spirit. You got to take it with your spirit. Well, he was just trying to help him, you know. But he saw something. But it's just remarkable that Jesus never, never, there was not anybody in that crowd. You know, there were some people in that crowd that weren't too holy. I mean, you can't, you can't even get a church service together without some people that aren't completely up to snuff. And uh, he didn't disqualify anybody. And the thing about it is, that's especially remarkable in that that is the most common thing that people believe. It is the most common thing across all church cultures and denominations. It is most common to believe that sometimes they'll, they'll acknowledge, oh yeah, the Lord can heal, but you know, it's not always his will. They always give that disclaimer and they always give examples of it. I know in the Pentecostal church we did. We believed in healing, but then we'd, we, we said we'd believe God. Oh, we're believing God. We're just claiming their healing. But then when that person died, the answer is, well, you know, uh, the Lord saw fit to do different. Well, you didn't believe it to start with. But it really wasn't up to you to believe. It was up to the person who needed healing to believe it. But that belied the fact that they were believing God all along because in their theology, they had room that it might not be the will of God to heal them. Well, if you believe it might not be the will of God to heal somebody, then how can you uh, uh, absolutely, confidentially say, I know God's going to heal you? You can't. Can't have it both ways. But, you know, that, that, since that is used so often today, wouldn't there be one, just one example? Not one. But people are always looking for this. And so in the book of Galatians, they talk about, uh, uh, well, go over there to uh, Galatians. It's kind of a longer side journey than I thought. But, you know, these things, these things can defeat you if you don't know the answer. If you don't know the answer. Let's look at chapter 4. You know, verse 13 says, You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which is in my flesh, you did not despise or reject because you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. And then again, goes on to, to say some more. But he points out the fact that when he first came there, when he first came to the, Galatia is not a city, it's a region. has several cities in it. And he's saying when he first preached the gospel, that would be in, in, Acts, chapter thir- in uh, Acts chapter 13, 14, and in, in, in that, in, in that uh, range of scriptures. Because he headed out, you know, on that, on that mission trip in Acts chapter 13. And uh, he said, when I first preached the gospel... I, 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 because of my physical infirmity, uh, the trial which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. And so I read one time that somebody wrote that the apostle Paul was so sick 
He was, of, of all men, he was the most sick. That he had, and, and because of this, and because of something it says later in the chapter, right at the end of the chapter, he says in, in um, chapter 6, verse 11, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. This, this writer said, see, the apostle Paul was, was nearly blind. He could barely see, so he had to write with these big letters. Well, in the, in the, in the, liter, in the, in the uh, literal translation of that, it says, see what a large letter I have written. And so there's a big difference in that. A lot of people believe that the book of Galatians was originally part of the book of Hebrews. And that it got split. And, you know, Galatians has Paul's identification, but the book of Hebrews isn't identified with who wrote it. So a lot of people believe that Galatians and Hebrews was, was originally one book. And so if that's the case, it would have been a large letter. But anyway, they put these two things together. Unbelieving people are always wanting to believe they can be sick. I mean, they'll fight hard to be sick. And so this one guy, he wrote, this one author, he said, he was of all men, the most sick. And then he gave him a, an eye disease, a name, for an eye disease, it's a big old long name. I don't know, he, he couldn't have got that from the Bible. And he gave him this big old long, yeah, he said, he, he, his, his, his eyes were a bloody mess. He had pus running out of his eyes. That's what this, and, that's, and that's how he appeared when he was preaching the gospel. And, and that's what he was referring to, that he was just, had this, he was blind, nearly blind. He had this bloody pus coming out of his eyes. And it was just disgusting and despicable to look at. And so that's what Paul was talking about, how the infirmity which was in my flesh, you didn't despise when I first preached the gospel. Well, if you go back and read the book of Acts, you'll see when he was in Galatia, so the cities of Galatia were Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Well, when he went into to Lystra, they took him and stoned him. The, the unbelieving people in the, in the city stoned him and drug him out of the city and they thought he was dead. Well, you know, when you, when you suffered stoning in the Bible, they didn't just throw a few rocks at you. You know, put a little bump on your head, you know, and just, you know, make you mad and make you leave. Stoning was a way to execute somebody. They didn't do it to run you out of town. They did it to kill you. And he was stoned. They took large stones and they would stone someone to death. When they stoned someone, they weren't done until the person died. And so they would take large stones, they would knock this person down, and they would take these stones and just continue to throw them on them on that per- until he was dead. Well, that's what they did to the Apostle Paul. And they drug him out of town thinking he was dead. So he acted dead, he looked dead. He could not have helped but be a bloody mess. There's no doubt that his face was bruised and swollen and cut. His eyes were probably swollen shut. They were bloody. He was probably cut and bruised all over his body. Well, that's an easier explanation. When Paul said, you remember when I came to you, the first, the infirmity that was in my flesh, you didn't despise. That could be what he was talking about. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it more than likely than to come up with some crazy idea that he had this long Ophthalmology, why do you say that? Huh? Ophthalmological, Ophthalmological. thank you, Sister Sister Angela. (laughs) Ophthalmological disease. 
No, there's a Bible answer. Amen. There's a Bible answer. And so they said then that the apostle, that it happened to him there. And they also point to the fact that he was blinded on the road to Damascus. This is a different hypothesis. And they said on the road to Damascus, he was blinded, that he was struck blind with sickness and disease. But, you know, that's, that's not what happened. If you go back to Acts, and uh, where were we looking? Where were we looking last? The 22nd chapter? Yeah, chapter 22. I fell on the ground, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, and you persecuted. And they who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. But they did not hear the voice of him who spoke. And I said, what shall I do? And he said, arise and go into Damascus and there will, you will be told all things that are appointed to you to do. Look at verse 11. And since I could not see for the glory of that light. He wasn't blind with some kind of sickness. He was, he was temporarily blinded by the glory of God. I, I don't know about you, but that would be okay with me. To be blinded, to have the glory of God so bright. It, it, it was brighter than the noonday sun. I expect, you know, it was brighter than an atomic explosion in the atmosphere. And when, and, and when it happened, he was, it physically blinded him. But that was the glory of God. The, the glory of God was on him. That blindness was the glory of God on him. And then, of course, you know, you read the rest of the story in Damascus. Ananias went to him, prayed for him, and his eyes were open. He was released from that. So uh, going back to, to our, our looking at these scriptures, the glory of the Lord is real in the New Testament. Amen. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4. Excuse me. Romans 6, verse 4. Romans 6. Verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in newness of life. So how was Jesus raised from the dead? What was the medium? How, how, how did it happen? He was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. I'm thankful I'm not burning up in here tonight. This morning I was roasting uh, the spotlights were on me and, 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 and the platform air off, I guess. Man, I was cooking up here. I might not have been cooking in my preaching, but I was cooking otherwise. <laughs> and it says, Christ, it says Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And then in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you Give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. So here the, the glory of the Lord and the spirit of the God are, are tied together. And we've said this many times that the glory of God is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And uh, though there's not as much mention of these things in the New Testament as there was in the Old Testament. But you have to understand the Old Testament. You know, we started in... in in Exodus and went all the way up to Ezekiel, that, that covered hundreds and hundreds of years. The New Testament covered basically 35 years. 
you know, the, or the writing of the, of, the, of the books in the New Testament, about 30 years. So uh, we, we don't have as much time for all of these things, but you could argue if you wanted to that they're not as prevalent in the New Testament, but that doesn't rule anything out because we're still the temple of God. And whatever the will of God was in the Old Testament is the will of God in the New Testament to fill us with his glory. And so when we come in here tonight and we're in one accord, it's, it's easier to be in one accord for some reason on Sunday night than it is Sunday morning. You can make, put it, make up your own mind why that is. But uh, it just is. You have more like-minded people uh, here on Sunday night. And uh, when we come into his presence like this, and it, it was here this morning and it often is in the, in the morning and it's here on Sunday night and Wednesday night, the presence of the Lord. That is the glory of God. It's just not visible. When it's visible, it's a greater dimension of it. I'd say that. And Kenneth Hagin talked about seeing the glory of God many times, uh, you know, in his life. And uh, the church was, was, was birthed in the glory of the Lord. It was. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, in fact, turn over to Acts chapter 2. I made some reference to this morning. Let's look at this again. Acts chapter 2. It's, it's really remarkable. When the day of Pentecost, verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, going back to the first chapter, you remember that Jesus uh, ascended into heaven when he had finished talking to them. Uh, and, and if you go over into 1 Corinthians, it said that over 500 people, not just the hundred. 20, not just the, the apostles, but over 500 people at one time saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. And Paul said, some of those had, had died by this time that he wrote this. He said, but, but many are still alive. So hundreds of people saw Jesus in his resurrected body. Glory to God. A body that, that was, we call it his, it was a glorified body. It wasn't even, it wasn't the same uh, body that he had when he was here before the cross, it was a body that had been transformed by the glory of God. And so it wasn't bound to natural laws, but it, it could operate within natural laws when he wanted to. And uh, so anyway, uh, in verse 9, it says, chapter 1, verse 9, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, can you imagine, just put yourself there. Jesus is talking to you and, and, uh, and you've been in his presence, you know, now all of these 40 days, it was 40 days that he talked to them and taught them things that he said, there are things that I can't share with you now. He said this in, in, in the last part, last few chapters of John, he said, but afterward, well, I'm convinced some of these things he began to share then, but then there were some things that, that he still didn't share to them. He had, they had to be filled with the spirit first and they hadn't been. And so uh, they were looking steadfastly into heaven as he went up. You can imagine. You know, they're just mystified or, or, or uh, just, you know, overwhelmed. And behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, about two miles. And when they had entered, they, they went up into the upper room 
where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So it, now that's a, that's a fairly small group of people. It identifies 11 people, and then it, it identifies uh, some of the women who, who uh, were associated with Jesus' earthly ministry, and mother, Mary, his mother, and with his natural brothers. Now, his natural brothers, his, his half-brothers, they didn't believe on him during his earthly ministry. And, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to give them a little credit. They, they had a lot to overcome. Talk about sibling rival, rivalry. You know, you think you're just perfect. You know, you never do any. You just think you're perfect. Well, he was. That, was. that was the big kicker. He really was. You know, that had to be hard to overcome, you know. Uh, anyway, so they didn't believe in him. But after he was raised from the dead, they did. And the, the story's not told how that came about. But now his brethren, that is his, his, his uh, earthly brothers, uh, half-brothers, are there with his mother. So it's still, that's a small crowd. But then it says that uh, in verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. Now, now that gives me pause right there. There's more people than, than, the, than the, you know, 15 or, or so that we're talking about, or maybe 20, but what happened to the 500? <laughs> Talk about missing a service. That's why you shouldn't miss. Well, you know, nothing. They probably thought, well, you know, we've been with Jesus and, and we're tired. You know, we're going to stay home today. Boy, did they miss out. How would, you, how, would you, how would you have felt? If you were, you know, you followed Jesus and you followed him after he was raised from the dead. And you were, you were there in his meetings, you know, and there were 500 people there and he was teaching. Ooh, glory. Jesus, he's been raised from the dead. He's the Lord overall, you know. And then have... The day of Pentecost happened and you weren't there. You had to hear about it. <laughs> Don't let that happen. Amen. Be in church. Amen. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord. They were all, 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 everybody, all of them, all 120. It says about 120. Uh, were with one accord, were it with one accord in one place. And suddenly, that's the thing I want to focus on tonight. Suddenly. There came a sound from heaven. Now, I've mentioned this recently. There's no indication in the scriptures that they had any idea what was going to happen. Except that Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until the promise that I've sent you, until the, the promise of the Father comes. And he said, when that happens, you will receive power to be my witnesses. That's, that's all we have any record that he told them. So there's no reason to expect that they, that, that to think that they expected anything that happened. And suddenly, remember, Jesus was taken up from them into heaven and they looked into the heavens and saw him going up and the angels then appeared and, and uh, said, this same Jesus that was taken from you into heaven will come back from heaven. Well, now, you know, 10 days later, they spent 10 days in prayer. Now, I don't know that they stayed there day and night. They might have gone. It would seem reasonable. It wouldn't be anything out of the story to think that they went home and 
you know, refreshed themselves and came back. But they were continually together, as we say, for 10 days. And uh, suddenly, out of nowhere, and you've heard me talk about that recently, because, but that is the key, really, to how God moves. God moves suddenly. Some of the greatest things he does, he does without warning or without any preparation. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It was a torrential sounding, in other words, like a, you know, like a, like a tornado. Only they didn't say it sounded like a freight train because there never been any freight trains, you know. But it, it was, a, in other words, a sound like a, a, that kind of wind just suddenly filled the whole place where they were. And then, like I said, at, at the, almost at the same moment, I suppose, then there appeared to them these, these tongues that were fiery. They looked like, like tongues that, you, that, you, that are in your mouth, but they were on fire. And these tongues came down and sat on them. And, and when those tongues touched their head, they, they all began to speak in new languages in other, quote unquote, tongues, other languages as a spirit. They didn't expect any of that to happen. Didn't expect any of it. And so much of what God does, he does suddenly. And we just, like I said this morning, you can't make anything happen. And you could get, you could cross the line to where you're just looking for things. And you all know that's not what we're talking about. But at the same time, we need to have a constant expectation of God being God anytime he wants to. That he can invade our life with a suddenly anytime he wants to. Amen. Because I've had it happen to me. I've had it that just suddenly the manifestation of the spirit was there just suddenly. Without any, you know, you weren't thinking it up, conjuring it up or anything. And it seems to me just from my experience that those are some of the greatest and most uh, eventful things in our lives. The most life-changing things happen when God uh, when, when, when a suddenly takes place in our life. And so we ought to be suddenly minded. That doesn't mean we ought to go around every day saying, oh, I'm wanting a vision today. I'm wanting a light. I'm wanting a glory. I'm wanting, yeah. No, you get into, you'll get into false doctrine and weirdness that way. And, and we don't want that. But at the same time, in, in the presence of the Lord, there ought to be such an expectation that our hearts are open. Amen. Oh, glory. And, and when we are most yielded to him is when these suddenlies take place. I'll say that. Not that you're, when, when these things have happened to me, I, I was not thinking about what happened. I wasn't anticipating that to happen. I was just yielded to the Holy Ghost, just worshiping God. And suddenly these things can, can happen. And, uh, and, and when they do, they're transformative. They really are. They mark you. And, uh, you know, Dad Hagen talked about the different times that he saw the glory of God. And the first time was, you know, on, on his deathbed. He died and he went to hell a couple of times and he came back. And then, the, and then on, on, the, on, on three times and on the third time when he came back, he came back into his body and he, and he began to cry out to the Lord, you know, for, for salvation. And, and so he was saved. And he said when he, when he came back, into his body, his body picked up those words that he was saying out, you know, crying out to the Lord out of his spirit. And, uh, 
And he said when he came into his body, he said he saw the room was like, was like it was all lit up bright. And there was this bright cloud in the room. It was the glory of the Lord. He saw it. And uh, he, uh, he went up into that glory. He told his mother, I think this is, I guess, the second time. This was the third time that, that, he, that he left. He told his mother, he said, I'm, or his grandmother, he said, I, I'm dying. I'm dying. And so, she, you know, he wanted her to, to hold his hand. And, and uh, she, she was holding his hand and, and his mother was outside. He could hear his mother outside the room praying. And, and he went up into that cloud and he got up to about where he said the, the roof of the house ought to be. And, and Jesus was standing there and he said, you can't come up here. You've got to go back. Your work's not finished. So then he went back down out of that glory and he came back into his body and he told his, his, his grandmother, he said, I'm not going to die now. And uh, now he, he didn't tell them about what he saw until 25 years later. He, he actually wrote it in a book and, 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 uh, uh, and then he gave his testimony and, and his mother heard the testimony. She said, well, son, we never told you what we saw. They never had this discussion because it was just so sacred. They just didn't talk about it. Said, and so his mother said that uh, when, when he came back into his body, they said they, his, 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 she went out to get Lily, his mother, and they came back in. And they couldn't get in that room because the room was full of a cloud. And they didn't see it at first. His mother just tried to go in. She just tried to run into the room. And she bounced when she hit the, the door. It was like there was a rubber ball in the door. She bounced back off. And she, you know, she tried three times and couldn't get in the room. And then they looked and they said, well, the room's full of, full of a cloud. It was the glory of the Lord. And then, you know, you've, if you've read his books, you've read the story that it gradually dissipated. And so then they, could, they couldn't see anything in the room. They couldn't see him, they couldn't see the bed, couldn't see the dresser, couldn't see. And then it gradually sort of dissipated. And then they could see different things. They could see, they could see the chest of drawers and then they could see his bed and then they could see him. And then when it was all lifted, they could go into the room. Well, those things, those things are significant. And they often mark important times when they happen. And then he told the story about, and you've, you've heard uh, his stories if you've read his material, that in different services he saw the glory of God come in, you know, and different amazing things would happen when the glory would come into a service. Well, uh, again, we experience the glory of God uh, at different times, but just not on that level. But he made this statement. He said, I believe that he was talking about the visible manifestation of the glory of God that people could see. He said, I believe we need more of those and we should have more of those. He said, I believe there will be more of those. But you know, he went to heaven and he never really got the church where he wanted to carry us. He never really was able to to successfully take us where he wanted to take us. When I say that, I'm just saying, you know, as a minister of the gospel, the 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 instruction that he had been given and the, and the commission that he had been given, uh, he never saw it come to, to fulfillment. And, uh, you know, we, we're, sometimes we're just knuckleheads. We just are, you know. But, but the call is still there. The purpose is still there. The plan is still there. And we're going forward with the plan of God. And so, you know, these things happen, and, and you've heard uh, how, uh, you know, I've seen, when you've seen the glory, it marks, I'm telling you, it marks you. When you've seen it, it it's, it's something else. And you've heard my story where I, I just suddenly found myself in the glory of God. And, and, and I look and, and I read these scriptures where it came. 
I remember when that happened to me that it wasn't like I blinked my eye, you know, and, and there was no glory and I blinked my eye and it was glory. But it wasn't, it wasn't but just a moment. But it seemed to sort of, if I can, if I can give a, a vocal expression, the only way I can kind of illustrate, it just sort of like that fast, it just, it, it started and it just, then it was there. But it, but it, was, a, it was a momentary progress, I guess is what I'm saying. It, 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 it took a moment for it to happen. It came and, and, then, it, and then it came into its fullness. And, uh, you know, when it, when it happens, you, you just find yourself doing things. And I never, I never planned to dance in the spirit. I never had a thought. I'm going to dance in the Holy Ghost. I just feel like dancing in the Holy Ghost. Now, now we do that in service today. You know, the spirit of God moves on you. You, you have to give action to that. That's not what happened to me. I didn't have a thought about dancing in the spirit until I realized I was dancing in the spirit. I just was, and I, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm doing that stuff that I didn't want to do. <laughs> I'm acting like the, those people in my church when I was growing up, and how they acted, and I didn't want to act like this. But, but, but it, was so, it was so glorious that I just thoroughly enjoyed myself. But the point of it, it was just a suddenly, and it happens when we obey to the extent that we should obey. I did yield to the Spirit very gently, but even then, almost unconsciously, didn't even realize I was obeying or yielding to the Spirit. But it's so important that we, as a church and as individuals, we come to the place where we are ready to flow with the Spirit. Amen. And, uh, you know, Brother Hagin talked about all these different stories and various services where the glory came in, flashes of light. You know, you remember that? He was in a service and it looked like a, a big bright flash you know, went off and, and it blinded everybody momentarily just for a few seconds. And then when they could see, every, all, of the, all of the sinners were down front praying, seeking God, getting saved. All the backsliders were down front. Everybody that was sick was healed. Nobody laid hands on them and nobody, knows how, nobody knew how the people got out of their seats. They were just, one minute they were back there and the flash went off. And when they could see again, they were all down there. Well, praise the Lord. You say, well, you know, that was kind of thing. I, I was reading in, in, in uh, I have a, a book by Jack Hayford. And he was an Assembly of God preacher and, and very, uh, very uh, astute, you know, studious and a very, he was an academic man, you know. And, uh, and he talked about whenever he founded his church out in California, that he was in his, his study or in the church, he was in the, he was in the church or he was in an office or, or a portion of the church. And he was there with a young man that he was talking to. If I remember the story, I have to go back and read it now. But it was somebody that, he was, that was in the church. It was like a, an associate pastor. And they were there sitting there talking about the church and, and what God was doing in the church. And he said, all of a sudden, the, the, the auditorium or, or the large room where there was, he just started filling with a mist. Like this mist was in the air. And... Uh, he didn't, he didn't, this is just what he said about his own, you know, recognition. He said he, he kind of blinked his eyes and, you know, that, you know how your eyes can get kind of watery sometimes and you film, get on your eyes and you make you think you're seeing something, you know. And he blinked his eyes and he looked around and it was still there. And, and he said, that other man, they didn't, neither one of them said anything. They just sat there. And this mist just filled the auditorium. And they recognized it's the glory of the Lord. And so they just sat there and then finally it dissipated and, and Pastor Hayford said, he turned to this, this other man, he said, did you see that? <laughs> he said, yeah, I did see that. 
and said they both knew what it was. It was the glory of the Lord. So this is not something that's just uh, restricted to one or two people. This is something I'm convinced has happened far more than we actually hear reports of. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm just telling you that, that uh, the glory of the Lord is real. And we all know the presence of the Lord is real, and, and that's the, his glory. But there's also these, these deeper manifestations, if you want to say it this way or that way, uh, these, these greater manifestations. Uh, they're all precious. Uh, I love the presence of God when I'm just right by myself, and it's not all that glorious, but I'm just worshiping the Lord, and I just sense his presence. It's, it's wonderful. But I tell you what, when we come together, see, there's, a, there's a, an anointing upon each one of our lives from the Spirit but when we come together as the church, as the body, the local collective temple of God, there's a stronger anointing present than, the, than you have when you're by yourself. There's just a, well, the presence of God is greater. You, you know that. You can sense that. Well, the potential is greater. Hallelujah. And I'm expecting for more and more of God's presence. I'm expecting it to increase. And like the psalmist, he said, I, I'm looking in your temple. I'm, I, I'm looking for your glory. Well, I'm not, I'm not coming in looking around, you know, to see if it's lurking up in the corner or, you know, if it's, or if it's, you know, actually showing up. But, but I'm, I, I come in the sense that I'm, I'm expecting God. That's the thing. We come to church expecting God to be God. And anything he wants to do is okay. Any, I tell you what, I, I, want, I want the Holy Ghost to do what he wants to do. And, and that requires, to a measure, us getting out of the way. We're in our own way. You ever been in your own way? <laughs> Try to do something, you stumble over your own feet and you get in your own way. Well, we get in God's way. Just with our, with our flesh. And... Uh, Whatever we can do to get out of God's way, we need to do. And like tonight, it was so precious tonight. As we just worshiped the Lord, everybody's attention was on Jesus. It was just sweet. Hallelujah. It's rewarding. So, so, so I'm not disappointed because the presence of the Lord never disappoints. Never disappoints. The presence of the Lord always fulfills. It always satisfies. But what I'm saying is we should also note that there are, there are stronger manifestations of God's presence. And uh, I guarantee you, when it happens to you, it'll take you by surprise. And, and it will astonish you. It will absolutely astonish you. And, and it'll be a level of blessing like you've never known before in your life. Hallelujah. And I didn't talk about that glory, that, that I, cloud that I was in that time. Now, it, it seems that when things first happen, the first time you experience something, it's more, it's more uh, it seems to be more significant than other times because you sort of can get used to things. But it seems like the first time something happens. Uh, but when, when, when that happened... I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell a soul about it for about 25 years. 
happened in 1983. I didn't tell anybody about it. The first person I ever told about it to was Dr. Dufresne. And, and the reason I didn't tell anybody, part, partly it's very sacred, it's very personal, but then there was a part of it that I didn't understand that, I, that I'm not going to go into now. Uh, there was part of that glory that appeared that I didn't understand and I never heard anybody talk about. And so I talked to Dr. Dufresne about it one time and he said, oh yeah, he said, I've experienced it just like you did. He said, I've, I've seen that aspect, I won't go into that. But uh, that's why I didn't talk to anybody about it because I really didn't know. But, but what I did talk about is I did talk about that dancing. If you remember that, Angela, I'd gone up to, uh, uh, I'd flown to, to Tulsa and then I was driving back with a couple of pastor, well, a pastor friend of mine, a couple of men from his church. They had driven from Georgia and I met them there. And so I drove home with them and then Angela drove, do you remember where you went? Huh? Somewhere up in Georgia or halfway or something, Angela drove up and met us. And I remember the very first thing I said when I got out of the car. I said, you'll never guess what happened to me. I danced in the Holy Ghost. And she looked at me like, oh, my Lord. (laughs) I didn't tell anybody about that glory because it was just so, so amazing. But uh, these things are for us. They're for us when, when, it's, when it's the will of God, as God wills. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I have one more, one more message to preach on this line, and I'll, I'll probably do that on Sunday, the Lord willing, and then I'll be done with this series. Praise the Lord. Let's just stand. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I started, I started to actually preach what I'm talking about, that last message. I started to do that last Sunday night. And as I started to go that way, the Holy Ghost arrested me and just don't do that. So, okay, okay. So then the uh, Lord wanted me to share these other things first. But, but praise the Lord, it'll bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I will say this, that, doc, that uh, Reverend Randy Greer, Randall Greer, I think it was rather Randy said he saw the glory here in, the, in, in that corridor. You remember? Was that, was that Randy? Yeah, he said he saw the glory of God in that corridor. He said, I went in the office and it wasn't in there. <laughs> he, said, he said, I went into Pastor Anderson's office and the glory wasn't in there. That's what he actually said. <laughs> but he said it was out there in that corridor. So other people have seen it. I didn't see it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't here. So just because we don't see it doesn't mean it isn't here. But the Lord can open your eyes if it's his will. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Glory to God. Father, not our will, but your will be done. We just, in humility, present ourselves to you, Father, to be filled with your Spirit. Help us to be yielded in every way in our lives. Help us to learn more about yieldedness and what we can do to present ourselves completely, put ourselves completely at your disposal, completely at your hand and in your hand. 
It's so easy, Father, because of the natural world we live in. It's just easy to just be caught up in the natural. We sit in church sometimes, and our minds are just occupied. It's not sinful. It's just just not fully yielded. It's just not being spiritually minded as we could be. Father, I pray. I've, 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 I've done that many times. I've been in a church service, my mind on other things, just thinking about other things, or just listening to the sermon, but just sort of listening with natural ears, not really listening with my heart, not really being conscious of what you were saying on the inside. Father, forgive us when we do this. Forgive us and help us. Take us by the hand, as it were, Father, and lead us. Lead us into a greater uh, dimension of yieldedness to you. A greater dimension of, of humility. A greater dimension of, of awareness of your spirit, Father. Glory to God. And then do what you want to do. In every one of our lives, I pray this for everybody. And I, and I trust everyone is in agreement with me. Do what you want to do in my life. Every one of us, let's just say that. Father, do what you want to do in my life. Take me fully and completely. I yield myself. I consecrate myself. I give up any claim to my way and what I want in any situation. And Father, when we come together, I come with this purpose to yield to the Spirit. That the collective anointing that's here as the collective temple of God can have its maximum effect. I give myself to that purpose. As a living stone of this, of this spiritual house that you might dwell in us in all your fullness and all your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I've not really seen the glory of God like that since then. Now, think about that. That was 1983. That was, well, 40 years. It was in February, so that was 40 years ago. Last month. I've seen the glory of God in a lesser degree. And, and it's not... It doesn't strike you the same way, maybe. Uh, and, I've, and I've had the Spirit of God come on me uh, as the glory of God, but I didn't see it. That in its, and, and when those times happen, it, it takes you by surprise. It just completely uh, transports you, not physically or even in a sense of going somewhere, but it just sort, sort of just takes you over. And uh, not against your will, but... Uh, you're already yielded to him, and, and it just he just kind of moves in. And I've had that happen. We need more of that. We need more of that. Hallelujah. I, I, remember, I remember Brother Hagin talking about how when the glory would come into the services, that he, would, that he would, there'd be a group of people maybe down the front, and he would wave his hand like this, and everybody in that group would just fall in the floor. And there were, nobody told him to. There, there wasn't any setup. You know what I mean by that, or suggestion. 
And uh, we were in the old church before we moved over here a few years ago. And uh, we were, had, I'd called, I don't know what I'd called for. People were down at the front. I'd given some kind of invitation. And again, I didn't, I didn't have a leading. Now, wave your hand and people will fall. I, I didn't even think that. But without even thinking, I just did like that. And everybody down front fell in the floor. I thought, glory to God. What was that? That was the glory of the Lord. But, it, but we get in the way sometimes. That's why he suddenly comes to keep us from messing it up. And uh, we get in his way very often. And uh, the more we can... We, can we, I was, we were here in this church in this building. And uh, a young lady was, was attending our church and she had come up for prayer for her leg on Sunday night and she said her, her leg was hurting her. So I laid hands on her and she went back to her seat. Well, on the following Wednesday night, she got up and testified. She said, uh, you know, I came to church on, on Sunday night and my leg was hurting and then she, I had forgotten when she was a little girl, they didn't start coming to our church until she was, she was already a little girl. But she said she had some kind of a, a growth or a tumor on her leg. And it had stunted her, her growth. Her growth plates didn't advance or whatever they do on that one leg. And so one leg was like a half an inch or an inch shorter than the other one. And, and she didn't say that when she come up Sunday night. And I, I, didn't, I guess if she had, I'd, I'd remember, oh yeah, I remember that about you, but I didn't. And she didn't say anything, so I just laid hands on her because her, her leg hurt. Well, she came up on Wednesday night. She raised her hand. She wanted to testify. So she came up and she said, Sunday night, pastor laid hands on me. And because that one leg is, is shorter than the other, it caused her hips to be out of alignment. And it just hurt. She said it just ached. She said, when pastor laid hands on me, all of that went away. She said, I just, it just vanished. Well, you know, if I had thought about what I was about to do, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have been too scared. I wouldn't, have had the, I wouldn't have had the faith to do it. I'd have talked myself out of it. Without even thinking, I said, sit right here on this chair, somewhere over in here, you know. I said, sit right there in that chair. And I had her sit down, and I, and I took her two, her two feet, and I said, she had on blue jeans, you know. So I said, just lift your, your feet up. And I knelt down in front of her. I said, put your heels in, in my hands, in the palm of each one. I, again, if I had thought about that, I'd have gone, I'm not doing that. What if nothing happens? You know, I didn't even think that. I just did it. Just, just, it was just a suddenly. I was just inspired to do it. And, and really, after it was over, I thought, did I do that? Did I have the guts to do that? You were sitting beside her. Doug was sitting beside her. God is my witness. And Doug and people's, people behind her were looking over the, over the chair like this. And I just, and I just held, her, held her feet in my hands like this. The palm, I mean, the, the heel of her, of her feet in the palms of my hands. And I said, now... Push your hips back so that your, your hips are back against that back cushion. Because, you know, you can be out of alignment. I said, you know, push your hip, hips back. And so she kind of adjusted herself. I didn't really pray. I just held my hands. And as God is my witness, you saw it. That, that short leg just grew right out. Just right in my head. Just moved right out. And people, on the, they were, people behind her were going, did you see that? <laughs> well, that was a suddenly. It was a suddenly. And I, and I didn't even... Again, thank God it was a suddenly. I'm glad he didn't say, now go do that, you know, and thinking, you get somebody else to do that. (laughs) That's what I mean 
when I say that sometimes when God does things suddenly, it's so remarkable. It's so remarkable. Praise the Lord. Because he has to catch us by surprise, I guess. I guess that's the only way to explain it. Praise the Lord. God is good. There are more of these things. I said there are more of these things. Because that was a major miracle. It's a major miracle. And God got glory from it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands again and thank him and we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.